Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Welcome, good morning, it's great to be here and uh, you have the best pastors in the world, Phil and Julie are amazing, give them a hand, who love these guys, I tell you the greatest thing you can do is love God and love your pastors because they pray for you, they carry you in their hearts, they carry this church and it's one thing to birth a church and uh, it's another thing to get established, it's another thing to remain and um, Getting over the line is one thing, but to remain, that's where the 30, 60, 100 fold, that's where the ask whatever you ask in my name and it shall be done. When you say to this mountain, it's the remaining, it's the Romanians, as Pastor Mark Kelsey would say, being a Romanian, say I'm a Romanian. So uh, well, you might be established, but have you remained? It's the remaining is where that incredible fruitfulness and abundance and multiplication and it's where a church goes from being like this to this being actually just the stage. I mean, the truth is, this is really the stage of the DA-approved building that you've got that goes all the way out there, right? So we have to understand that there's a multiplication that is in the heart of God, and it happens through you and I, the disciples, believers, the church. You're the church. It's not some organization or Phil and Julie Incorporated. It's actually you. You are the church, and just remaining in the house I think turning up is 50% of the deal like you know I'm not that good um, feels pretty good but just the fact that I kept turning up and a lot of people a lot more gifted and talented above me didn't I sort of rose and I'm like number 19 on the list and now I'm here because I just kept turning up don't tell anyone but um, there's something about remaining and a fruitfulness which becomes fruitful and you know an effectiveness that happens over time so uh, why don't you thank you musicians Jilly phenomenal the team so good to be here let's just pray before we come around the word Lord we thank you Lord for the the vision that you have God that the gates of hell will not prevail that your church should rise the harvest of souls Lord would fill this place the whole north part the north coast Lord God this whole greater region, Lord, of the central coast. The revival, we announce it, we declare salvation over this region, Lord God. We come against every dark force, every demon that would frustrate the grace of God, the expansion of your kingdom and your footprint. We release salvation in our hearts, over this atmosphere, over this land, over the north part of the city. We pray in Jesus' name that you would make us fishers of men, winners of souls. Give us the wisdom beyond our years, the boldness that comes from being with Jesus and the power of prayer today. And everybody said, amen. amen. Wonderful. Yeah, you can clap if you like. Um, someone was going to clap. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. It's great to be here. Uh, a big warm welcome from Phil and Chris Pringle. Um, I know they love this church up here. Love Phil and Julie. I've got a special place in their hearts for them. And 
Um, just love the spirit, the freedom. I love the relaxed atmosphere. I, I could go to this church, Phil. I've said that before. I probably shouldn't keep saying it, but um, but you know, it's like yeah, I could go here. If you're a visitor here today, it's okay. Um, th these guys are good people. You can trust them. They're nice people. And um, I want to talk to you about go. Everybody say go. go. Two thirds of the name of God is go. The other two thirds is do. And so God has got a big go in him. The church has sort of two deals happening. You've got people that are coming, you know, come let us go up to the house of the Lord, you know, gets come and worship. And so there's this whole momentum that is like come to God, come to the house and, and come, come to the call of God over your life. But there's another side, it's like a two-sided coin. And then it, what happens when we come to God and we come into the house, he equips us to go back out, if that makes sense. The house is not just a place that we stay, it's a place where we're meant to be equipped to go and to be the church in the world. So we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we're not meant to be like escaping the world and hiding in the bubble of the church. We're meant to be equipped on the front foot, launching into the world, into the marketplace, into the community, and into the kingdom of God at, at greater um, you know, doorways and dimensions. And so we know this great scripture, John 3.16, which is our mandate, for God so loved, he so loved, I love it, he says so loved, it's like, it's, I, I don't think we can understand the impact that he so loved the world. He gave, the first response of his love was to give his only begotten son that whoever, and this is why I feel qualified because I'm whoever, I'm the whosoever, wheresoever. You don't have to be a star. You don't have to have all the degrees. You don't have to have the flashy house and the car and the successful job or the background that doesn't have any baggage or the person whose family sort of doesn't you know, look all perfect and maybe you don't have the, um, the wife and three kids. I'm not sure what you have. Maybe you're more concerned about what you don't have. But this promise to us is to the whosoever. It's to anyone who believes that whoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life an abundant life 2 corinthians 5 says this that is that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them he has committed to us the word of reconciliation so all of us have got different gifts and talents but all of us have the gift of reconciliation you may not all have the gift to be able to worship lead like your worship team. You may not have the gift to be able to preach, but you all carry the ministry gift of reconciliation, of building a bridge through Christ into people's world. This means that if we are reconcilers, if all of us, whether we're being saved five minutes or five years or 50 years, all of us are bridge builders. All of us can reconcile or begin to take people on a journey where they begin to take a step closer to God. You might meet somebody who's at, say, on a scale, maybe they're at minus 10, and they've known you for about four or five years. And the hope and the faith and the love that's in your spirit is because you've infected them, you've influenced them, you're just in their world, you're not Bible bashing them, but they're seeing Christ in your life because of the hope and the vision and the, and the great spirit you've got and the encouragement. And, and they're gone from like minus 10 to about minus 4 and minus 5. 
And then you don't know that their cousin, who's this mad cousin in the family who just got born again up the road, and, and they're talking to them at Christmas party and telling them how much their life's changed. And, and the unsaved friend's going, wow, you, my, your life has changed. I knew what you were like. I knew you really well. We used to do this. And, and so that person's like, wow, this Jesus thing is like starting to affect me. You just don't know who is speaking to the people in your world. But when you carry that spirit of reconciliation, people progress And salvation is as much an event. Who remembers the day they crossed the line? It's like the the hands pierced the air. They stepped over the line. But it's just as much a process as it is an event. It's a journey. And we are saved. We are being saved. And we will continue to be saved. The whole doctrine of salvation is an event. And it is a process. And it is a journey. And so we have to understand it biblically. And think, well, why is it not just one or the other? Because we're people. We live in a fallen planet. And the word, is, the promises and the, the possession, is, it takes time. It's like faith and patience. And it's like, oh, what's the patience factor? Aren't we just people of faith? Well, the Bible says that love is patient. It's the first thing. And so if we just have faith without love, we burn out. We drive too hard. We burn people out. And so we need to have love and patience, which is love and faith, which is really faith and patience because patience is really just love. And we think, oh, I don't want this patient thing. Hey, God is extremely patient with us. And when you understand how patient, I mean, how many of you took a little while to tweak about this reconciliation thing? And so God is so patient with his church. He's patient with us. He's, he's, you know, he's slow to anger. And um, this means we don't have a message of judgment. We don't want an ounce of judgment in our soul. And often when you've been saved for a while, you can know a whole lot of stuff and you know what the answer is and you know the way you live and that part of your life is settled, done and dusted and you're living fruitful and it's not even an issue anymore. And, and so we sort of a little bit, a little bit of judgment creeps in. God's like, whack, listen, you can't carry any judgment. No judgment. Not an ounce. The world can smell judgment. They can smell judgment. They can smell religion. Let me say it another form. Religion. They can smell it. They run a mile away. It's like stepping in, I won't say. The message is reconciliation. This is a message of acceptance. To the lost, the least, the lonely... The smelly, the sinner's sinner, the naughtiest, naughtiest person. And, and we can't carry that judgment. Matthew 9 says this. The, 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 um, the guys come to Jesus. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who, are, who have no need for, of a physician, he says, those who, who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, obviously they need a physician. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. This is the heart of Christ, to be hanging out with the sinners. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. It is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that any one of these little ones would perish. And so God has this true north. He Say, hold the line. Hold the line. Holding the line is about us staying focused on winning lost souls. Winning the lost, making disciples, helping people belong, helping people believe. If they can become a disciple and believe, then they can become 
Once they become, they can be empowered. And so we have it, look, you know, save the lost, make disciples, empower the saints. It's like belong, believe, become. It's a pathway. It's, it's just a general, it's what happens to you when you connect up to God. So preaching alone won't actually win, win, people, win, win people to Christ. It's not just preaching. It's winning. It's people win people to Christ. Does that make sense? It's like, wouldn't it be great if we could just buy a program or if we just put a bit more money in the plate or, or we could... You, you can't... It's people win people. And the winning of souls takes wisdom. And the good thing is that this is a wise church because it's a soul-winning church. And the, and, the, and the truth is, guys, is that God gives us wisdom beyond our years. See, Paul wrote about the church. He saw it as a young church, but it was a mature church. It was a church filled with sons who understood intuitively the DNA of the father. They understood the DNA of the, of the fathers and the mothers of the house, and they got it young. And so they intuitively had this sense of sonship. And, and, and you know that sons inherit. Slaves don't inherit anything. Servants don't inherit anything. And although we want people to serve, but we serve with a spirit of sonship. As we download this vision in our hearts, and I see a church here, I see a young church, like it's, it hasn't been going for, it's been going for quite a while, but there's a, there's a youthfulness to it. And that's godly, because it's like sons mature quickly in the house, and they get wisdom beyond their years to, to walk on a path. Proverbs 11 says, he who wins souls is wise. That word win, listen to this, write this down. It means to take, it means to accept, it means to bring, to buy, to carry away, to draw, to fetch, to get, to unfold, to mingle. Say mingle. mingle. To, to, to win is to mingle. So you just mingle with people. And you think, oh, I don't need to be. No, no, you do. Just mingle. Mingle at someone's party. Go to the friends, you know, that wedding reception. Oh, I can't go to the wedding reception. I've got a big day at church. No, no. Mingle. Mingle amongst the lost, the least, and the lonely. That's what it is to win people. To, to place, to, re, to receive. How's this one? To reverse. Sometimes, it's like, oh, I've got a new life, new wife, new car, new baby. Sometimes you've got to go in reverse, back to some people. Just hang out a bit, make a phone call every now and then. And saw him in the shopping center. Oh, he's from my old life. So you keep walking the other way. No, no. You walk towards him. Hey, how you doing, man? How you doing? You good? Been thinking about you. You can see where you don't know that day when you reach out to them. You you don't burn your bridges. You're gonna burn your bridges on what you used to do. But you know, with people, we have to stay mingling. And also means to send for. Okay, people win people. See in John chapter one, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. What did he do? He went and got his brothers straight away. John the Baptist was given the message to prepare the world for Christ. And he basically won everyone. One of the most powerful ministries in the history of the world. And he saw his purpose was to join people to Christ to prepare them to follow the coming king. But how did he do it? He joined them to him first. They followed, he won wherever John the Baptist went. He won the whole crowd. He won, they, he won them to him. He was not the Christ, but he won them to him so that when Christ came, because he had won them to him, it was easy. 
winning them over and handing the baton over to Christ. Our highest calling after seeking God is to seek the lost. And I think the more we seek God, the more our hunger and the fire is that comes in our hearts to win lost people. I love this scripture, John chapter 141. This is what happened in my world. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he bring, it's like, I, my brother got saved and he just took us all to church. And he was a professional unsaved person. He was a Olympian sinner. And, and he, was a, he was everything. You name it, my big bad brother was into it. And, 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 and we, were, we were actually going to a church. But we actually weren't saved because that's what we did. And, and he got saved and we're like, wow, wow, he's, he really is saved. And he took us to church and then we took everyone we know. And every week we just, filled, we just turned up to people's houses. We didn't ring them and book them and out. We just turned up, get in the van, come to church. Oh, okay, you're just coming. You're coming with You've got to come. Get in the car. Quick, go and get your shoes. You've got to come. And every week we took a whole van of people and we just went everywhere in this van with my brother and his mate and taking all our friends to church and before we know it, we had like 12 or 15 of our mates in, in house church every week. There was like 75 people in home group every week. It was like a move of God. There was deliverance. It was on for young and old and prophecies and salvations and people weeping and people getting healed. And who I didn't understand anything that was going one day. Like, You're just going to get water baptized. So we're having water baptisms today. What's that? You get in the pool. So, okay, well, I'll go. I'll have a go. I knew nothing what I was doing. But what I did know is I belonged. I didn't understand it all. And often... You know, our reason can sometimes be treason and we sort of like try and understand everything before we take a step of faith. But we only understand God when we believe by faith and we take a step out of the boat. The deal is that if you're searching for something, you know what? You'll find it. But you don't really find things you're not searching for. And the truth is, is that we search for the things that we think are the most important. We spend so much time looking for some things but they're really not important. We spend time hungering and thirsting and craving and going after at all costs, but they're not important to the, king, the kingdom. They're not important to God. If we're always looking for that opportunity to win someone to Christ, to bring Christ into others' lives, to find a reason to invite someone to church, we will find those opportunities. If you look for it, you'll see it. If you don't look for it, you'll never see it. And yet, why is it that person always brings people? Oh, he's just got that anointing. No, he doesn't. He just looks for it. Like, we're, called, we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. To me, doing the work of the evangelist is someone who's probably like me, who's not an Andy Kabbalah, who, whatever he does, just turns to gold when it comes to people getting soul saved, makes you sick, and it's amazing what he does. But the rest of us just have to look for opportunities what reason could they come to church well do you want to come we're having a meal we're having a party we're having we're having a we're at a pool on site this next week come along check it out have a swim and whatever i i don't know like well just let me pick you up and take you there i'll come and see you why don't you come with us in the morning we'll take you for lunch at whatever there's always a reason if you look for it you will find it joe gerard considered the world's greatest salesman the guinness book of records says if you throw enough spaghetti against the wall, some of it's going to stick. Many people call themselves great salesmen, but Joe has the convincing evidence. He was listed in the Guinness Book of Records for several years in a row, the world's greatest salesman. As a Chevrolet salesman in Chicago, Joe racked up sales record after sales record. How did he do it? 
This was his technique, very simple and straightforward, and it can be used in any, any market. He made himself known by giving away thousands and thousands of business cards every year. He even threw them into the stands at football games. Each customer was placed on Joe's list and received a greeting card every month for New Year's, Valentine's, birthdays, St. Patrick's Days, etc. Once a year, Joe sent his list of friends a sales kit and included a packet of Joe's cards and a $25 reward for each friend who sent him a new customer. When Joe had free time at work, he was on the phone, cold calling prospects and gathering names of, a new, of new prospects. And you think, wow, what a car salesman. Like, who would like to be on that guy's list? He'll drive you crazy. But everybody knew him. If a guy can get that passionate and that pumped about selling cars, how passionate can we be about just inviting and ringing and bringing? I tell my leaders, ring and bring. That's how it works. Like, oh, we're just praying. Great, but ring and bring. Like, prayer works. Are you with me? Prayer is work. So you pray and then you go to work. So you pray as if it all depends on God. And then when you finish praying, then you go to work as if it all depends on you. So it's prayer works. And the reason prayer works is because you go to work and you pray. Are you, are you cool? And so we all can do the work of the evangelists, finding a way for people to come to Christ. There's a desperation. Have you noticed? Have you hung out with anyone at your office or in the world or at a family Christmas function or been down to a local restaurant or bar or corso? Have you seen the desperation that is in the world for, that people have? There is a desperation in the world for people to get intoxicated or go on a trip on LSD or to be bouncing off the walls and chalking up how many people they can sleep with or how many people they've been married to. There is this scary desperation in the world. And I believe it needs to get in the church. That desperation is the desperation and the cry of people's hearts to have a fulfilled life that desperation is actually Christ in them that they don't know. They actually are putting their desperation into the things of this world, but they know they don't fulfill them. But what do we do with this drive, this machine, this, I've got to have something, I've got to go all the way. Australians are amazing. They're, they're such risk takers. I was at a function. I was there with the number two guy with the ANZ bank, the number two guy and the number three guy uh, in a very exclusive club at an expensive cocktail party for um, ANZ Bank clients two days ago. And all these guys were talking about was how much money they could have put on the horses. I mean, it put our vision builders' commitments to shame. And, and it was scaring me. But I loved their faith. And I loved their commitment. I love, they're, at the, they're at the national conference and they're just getting text message after text message from Johnny who's at the track. Dung, 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 race horse number. Dung, 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 dung. These guys, serious punters, seriously successful, seriously passionate, massive risk takers. Australians have got, well, where does that come from? It's actually Christ. They were created to live by faith, but they just haven't found where the land they haven't found where that works. They haven't found the context of that. And so they were made in God's image. I believe if we get the desperation in us, I believe we'll... This is the deal, church. If we get the desperation in us, we will fulfill the desperation that's in the world. It's about the desperation for souls getting into the church, and then you'll find that the desperation of the world will be fulfilled when they meet you. 
When Jesus began talking about his purpose on earth, he immediately spoke of searching for the lost. Luke 19, he says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. It's the first thing that Christ says that he is here for. It is the number one thing. He promptly launches into three stories talking about the lost and the effort it takes and the celebration that there is when someone finds something that is lost. He speaks of the shepherd losing a sheep and the woman losing one of the coins and a father losing the son. And this is this desperation that is in the kingdom and in Christ. The lost sheep, it had to be found. Jesus places one above the 99 in priority to focus his attention. The shepherd loved their sheep. They laid their life down. They would put the sheep in a pen and then the gate of the pen, normally the shepherd would lie down and he was the gate. And, and he would give his life. And if there was anyone coming, a wolf or anyone to attack, he would fight and give his life as a shepherd. Now, there's a different type of shepherd. You could get a renter shepherd, which is called a hireling. Now, a hireling was only ever paid to do a job. The shepherd didn't, wasn't paid. He, was, he lived a life. His life was to live for those sheep. Once the shepherd knows the 99 are safe, he goes searching for the lost. He counts his sheep, therefore he knew who was missing. The second story is the 10 coins. It had to be found. Who knows, that coin had to be found. I, I came across some stuff which I thought was amazing. The woman's 10 coins were the headdress similar to the wedding ring of a married woman. So back then, the 10 coins were pretty much the wedding ring. Can you imagine if a newlywed, Jamie, had lost her wedding ring? Do you think Garth would be happy? He, she'd be going, oh, hi, how are you, honey? Where's that ring? I just need to disappear for a couple of days. And she backtracks every single place and every single shop. Losing one coin out of that headrest because that was incredible wealth that came from the family of who she'd married into. Here we go. Notes on the International Bible Lesson says, Eastern women sew on their headdresses, or they're called snods. There were no bank accounts for women. In Judea, a bride came to her husband with at least 10 silver coins sewn around her head and often more. And her husband knew just how many there were because he could see them. They belonged to him as she did, although the law did not allow his creditors to seize these personal coins on his wife's head, on his wife's head, if he went broke, isn't that amazing? That the law said, if, if you go bankrupt, and the creditor was not allowed to seize the coins on his wife's head. They belonged to him. Woe betide the woman who lost her coins. Her husband immediately suspected her of wrong use of them, and the laws of divorce in the master's day were so heavily loaded against women that a man might divorce his wife, but if one married coin was missing from her headgear. So if a coin had been lost, it was automatic grounds legally for them to be divorced. Do you understand why she was looking? I've got to find the coin. Because the community, and everyone's, everyone she sees when she goes to the marketplace, oh, you've lost the coin. You've been naughty. You've sold it for a new dress or a pair of shoes or something. 
you're on the rocks, and it's like, it tells the whole world. Can you imagine the desperation that this, finding this coin was? She was sweeping, not only for, for a bit of metal, but she was sweeping for her home, her shelter, her respectability, her right to a safe and honourable place in society, perhaps even for the right of her children. So she sweeps like her life depends on it because she's lost the coin. Who knows if we're leading an Apostle Paul to Christ when we bring him to church? Who knows the next person that stands on this altar could be the next, you know, Garth or, or Julie Oldfield? Who knows in your world what they can become in the hands of God? Who knows what God has got planned for those that we bring to Christ? We only find what we're looking for. Whatever is the priority of our lives determines the way we will look at the world. Our perspective is determined by what is the uppermost in our heart. Most of us don't, most of us don't have this view, and it's why we need to speak about it. I, I, I am stirred up as much as you when I start talking about souls, because the more I talk about it, the bigger it gets. It's like if you've got a problem, you keep talking about it, and really it becomes a mountain into a, you know, a molehill into a mountain. And, and so as you focus, it grows. And talking about this shifts us to the priority of the kingdom. There was once a Sunday school teacher who decided to try and bring a young shoe salesman. His name was Dwight Moody to Christ. He met him at a store and he gave what he felt was a very weak witness of Christ. The young man's need to receive him. Moody did receive Jesus and followed the call of God, bringing millions to Christ. He gave a witness. Anyone ever given witness on there's a guy I met in a shoe store one year. I was at Presence and I needed to buy some new shoes and went up the road with this guy and this young um, African guy came out, handsome, big muscles and in fancy gear and had all these really cool shoes and started talking to him. I said, you go to church? He goes, nah, but I probably should. I said, you need to come to my church. And I bought a few pairs of shoes off him and, and about a year later, he turns up in church. And he says, I've been here three times and you weren't here. As I was away preaching here and somewhere. And, and now he's in our church every week, every prayer meeting, every week. And he's starting his own business. He's on fire for God. He's come out of a, a really scary world. And, um, but this is what happens after this guy gives this weak thing. Oh, and Dwight Moody comes over the line and gets saved. A Sunday school teacher called Edward Kimball was the guy who led Dwight Moody to Christ. J. Wilbur Chapman was converted at Dwight Moody Evangelistic Meeting. Billy Sunday came to the Lord through Chapman. Mordecai Ham was influenced and associated with Billy Sunday. Billy Graham was converted at Mordecai Cam's meeting. You do not know who knows who. Yongi Cho was raised as a Buddhist who converted to Christianity at the age of 19 after an unknown girl visited him daily in hospital telling him about Christ. He was diagnosed with terminal tuberculosis. One day she knelt down to pray for him and she began to weep. He was deeply touched and told her, do not cry, I now know about your Christian love. Since I am dying, I will become a Christian for you. He got miraculously healed when he came to Christ he now has the largest church in the world. One million people. That's Cho. Who was the girl? Whosoever 
Nobody. No one knows who she was. <clears throat> John chapter 142. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. He didn't send him an invite. He didn't send him an email. He brought... When you go fishing, you can throw all the burly and everything out there. But is it going to guarantee you're going to catch anything? No. They brought the fish into the boat. We need to be God's bringers. It's like, I'll meet you at church. They're never going to turn up. You need to pick them up, put them in your car, lock the door, drive in. You with me? Like, you have to bring people. I'm only joking there. Sorry if you're, if you're visiting. So this guy's a bit freaky. It's all right. You do, you're going to be a bringer. He personally brought his own brother to Christ, to church. The first priority is to connect with Christ. No matter wherever people go, whatever the circumstances, no matter who is in the church or not, no matter who is the leader of a church or not, whoever the preacher is, the person has a stronger relationship with Christ than any of these. And if any of these change or fail, they know Christ well enough to remain unshaken. When you bring someone, you bring them to Christ. It doesn't matter who's running the show because things change. Somebody will be gone one day, but if they're centered and planted in Christ, they're safe for the rest of their days. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a rock. We need to let people's lives be transformed when they hear the voice of Jesus. You don't have to change them. You just have to bring them. We get it around the wrong way. We believe in God to bring them and we want to change them. Hello. So church gets a bit confused. We bring, he changes. Don't try and change them, just bring them. Don't just believe God to bring them so you change them. We got it around the wrong way. If we do that, things start to move forward. We shouldn't try to answer, answer people's Big, big problems. I, I mean, some of these people got big problems and I wouldn't worry about the problem. The problem's never the problem. When they get Christ, the problem will be solved. Are you with me? I'd be more talking about Jesus than the problem they've got. By all means, listen and accept, but ring and bring. Okay. See, evangelism, and it's sort of worse after you've been to Bible college sometimes because you think you can win an argument now. Problem is we know too much. All you want them to do is know Christ. Evangelism is not winning arguments. It is not winning the argument of evolution. Finally, I've got enough ammunition to blow my atheist friend away. Poor guy, he doesn't really believe in it. He's just trying to belong somewhere and trying to have some confidence and boldness like you and he's just trying to think that he knows at least something in life because the rest of his life's probably not going too well. Nobody really does believe that stuff. And um, <clears throat> evangelism is not about winning arguments, it's about winning people. Let me give you some tips, <clears throat> very spiritual. Number one, smile. Smile when you meet people. Just smile when you meet people. Hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, yeah, how you doing? Good. I'm good, how you doing? They start smiling, they get happy. Smile when you answer the phone. Hey, how you going? Oh, hi, I'm just ringing up. Phil wants me to ring you and bring you to church. No, smile when you're on the phone. 
you'll find the conversation goes in your favour. Smile when you stand on stage. Smile when you write a letter. Smile at people's mistakes. Don't laugh. Just smile. It's okay. It's all good. Smile. How do you win people? Ask the question, what wins you? What wins you? I felt one when people just believe in me. They don't judge me. They know me well enough to know my background or my weak spots or my vulnerabilities or my brokenness or baggage. But don't, don't emphasize that. Whatever wins you, just do it to other people. It's like, wow, they pray for me all the time. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm just going to pray for you. I heard your little kid was sick. Is that okay if I pray with her? I'm going to pray. I'm just letting you know I'm praying for you. And they're like, I don't know anyone unsaved I've spoken to and they've told me my wife's in hospital, my kid's in hospital, they've got a murmur in the heart, whatever. Hey, would it be okay if I prayed for them? Do you think anyone's ever said no? I cannot remember the last person that said no. There might have been one in a hundred, but most of them go, oh, that would be awesome. You know what? You're the only person saying that. You are the only person pushing into their world in a, in a, in a, in a nice way. Love is the biggest winner of them all. These hampers, you need to pray over them because they go into vulnerable homes. Hearts are open. See, it's the hamper. I mean, if Julie turned up to Mrs. Nine Kids, hey, how you doing? There's no hamper. I'm just here. You need to Jesus. You need some help. Let me, I've, got a, I've got a word for you, honey. I mean, is that really going to open her heart? No. You're the Bible. You're the walking Bible. You turn up. The Bible turns up. It's called hope. You're trafficking hope. It's in the basket, which is so big. She's ne- it's, there's three baskets. Three baskets full. Are you with me? And so this is what you're trafficking. You're a trafficker of hope. Okay. Every individual is actually in the mind of God. See, faith believes. Does that make sense? Faith believes all things. Hope feels. If, if hope is not, hope is a feeling. Like, you know when you come out of church, you feel, you feel hope. I can feel hope. Love is an action. Like, I'm feeling your love. It's like, oh, we love you. No, no, but if I said to Phil, hey, happy, hey, Phil, happy Christmas, we love you. And you think, well, I don't really feel the love. But if I turn up to Phil's house with like, an action, and I just mowed all his lawns, painted his house, cleaned his pool, Phil would feel the love. Are you with me? It's like, hey, we've vacuumed your house while you were out today. Wow, I'm feeling the love. So love is something you do. It's an action. Hope is something you feel. You feel it when you get around. I don't know what it is. Like I was with this guy. He's planting a church in uh, Mumbai. He left Perth, and he's in Mumbai. 20 million people. I'm telling you, the largest Muslim population in the world is in India. 25% of the world's population is in India. 50% of 25% of the world's population is under 25. The people we met there, although there's poverty, there's extreme wealth. We met people like, they said, we are so sick of money, fame, fortune, and drugs. What's this church you want to talk about? And these are people worth one, two, three hundred million. 
because in a town of 20 million, that's one town, that's the whole nation of Australia, those who make things and do things can make incredible wealth. And these people, you know, wise men came to Christ and they asked the question, where is he, this king of the Jews? They weren't priests, they weren't scholars, they were just wise men, they were like marketplace gurus, they were the Bill Gates of the day. They said, where is this king? History books tell us that they travelled for two to three years carrying bars of gold, as you would do to go and support the gifting of a new king being born into the world. It had been talked about for thousands of years. And then this king, they followed the star and they finally find this Jesus. And they ask this question, where is this king? And the world still asks the same question because it still has the same void and hunger in its heart. The same questions, where is this Christ? And, and as we, ca so it is in the hope, hope is a person, his name is Christ. And so you and I are traffickers of hope. When you turn up on the scene, hope turns up. I was like, oh, who did that? Who missed that? Oh. No, no, when you turn up, faith, hope and love arrive on the scene. Because that's what you traffic. Number one, faith, hope and love, it believes in people. You need to believe in people. Write this down. You believe in people more than they believe in themselves. Number two, hope is interested in people. Remember people's names. Listen to their story. Great question is, hey, so what's your story? I was talking to, I saw, am I meant to finish right now? What time? I can't remember. 11? Is it 11? Yep. The musos can come. I'm going to finish in a second. I was, I was standing in a crowd and I just saw Pastor Chris talking to a, a visitor, an unsafe person, just the other day. And um, she came up and, you know, like she's, she's passed. It, it's pretty hard to not know that this person's the main person in the church and there's a visitor and I was just sort of just near her and she said, hey, how you doing? Good. I love your hair. Your hair was all weird. And she's loving the person. And she goes, so what's your story? What's your story? What's your story? Great question. Off they went. Saved. Listen to people's story. Be, believe in them more than they believe in themselves. Number three, empathize with people. Weep with them that weep. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Sometimes it's hard to rejoice with something. Oh, gosh. You know, like, I wouldn't mind doing a million-dollar deal, or I wouldn't mind having a house like this to praise the Lord about, or I wouldn't mind having it, you know. No, rejoice with those that rejoice. You ha the church needs to get bigger. We need, I go, I visit people in my business who are worth 50, 100 million plus. I rejoice with them. So, oh, I just bought this new car, 300,000 or whatever. Or, it doesn't matter who they are. I just, that's awesome. You're incredible. That's amazing. What an amazing home. I'm like, I'm inside and I go, this house. I want a house. Why am I God? Why am I It doesn't lose it. All things to all men. You start rejoicing. Nobody's going to turn up and pat this guy on the back. He's a self-made. Rejoice with these people. Rejoice with whoever. Maybe it's a son or a friend and someone's won an award or someone's got a job and it's like someone got a promotion or a pay rise. You maybe, maybe you didn't get it, but they got it. Maybe they beat you and you came second and they came first. Rejoice. It's how you win souls. You've got to be the bigger person. Rejoice with people. Love helps people. The quickest way to win people is to help them at your expense, especially if they're strangers. 
Christ is better served than sold. And love gets along with people. Agree with people. It's like, well, there's all these things. I don't agree with the way you're dressed. I don't agree with what you're saying there, man. Look, I don't really agree with that type of car. I don't really agree with the paintings on the wall in your house. Look, there's so much about you I just don't agree with. Are you saved? Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners most of the time. Guys, find the points of agreement, not disagreement. And I know you you go into someone's world, you go into the world, but you're not of the world. And so you've got to find, there's got to be something about that person. And sometimes it's like pretty hard to find. But if you go looking, you'll find that, you know, you walk into the house, it could be a complete talking to one of my pastors and her neighbor is a hoarder she has a mental illness and when you walk into this million dollar apartment you cannot move it is filled years and years and years she takes all the worst stuff off the rubbish heaps and brings old kitchen sinks and broken taps and boxes of newspaper she has a disease the home has got mate it's full to the ceiling i don't she i don't know have you ever been to a house like that do you know what and but still, when you go, I, I, you can still go and say, you know what? You got great eyes. You know, I love your eyes. You got a great smile. I love, I love the way you, you dress legal amazing. It's like I love that car you've got. You know, like, do you know, you, you, you know, you're with me. Like, there's got to be something you can see, and find. Love gets along. Don't disagree and be, don't be contradictory. Find the points of agreement, not disagreement. Although sometimes the disagreements jump out and they're pretty easy to just go, don't go there. And love includes, it accepts, it doesn't exclude or reject. Whenever people meet you, they go up a whole level. You respect people, you don't judge them. Oh, there's a million things I could say here. That's what we're going to do. Let's all stand right now. We're going to win souls. God, give us wisdom beyond our years. Lord, that we're young, but we're mature. We're fruitful and we're effective. The Spirit of God is upon us. He has anointed us. Preach the gospel. Sometimes using words, we use lifestyle. Lord, we believe in people. We love them. We accept them. We don't judge them. God, we just repent from being this mean-spirited religious person. Lord, we get happy. We get generous. We get free. Lord, we get open. Lord, we're filled with encouragement. Lord, we thank you for the anointing of soul wedding. Spirit of God upon our hearts. The joy of the Lord's our strength. Vision of our hearts that sees a bigger and better day in spite of the circumstances. God, if you're for us, who can be against us? The anointing of God is upon us to sustain us and to lead us into victory and abundance and a harvest of souls over C3 Tagra. You see this place filled day after day, week after week, hour after hour. Whole families coming to Christ, the anointed of God to win people. Fill it tonight as Christian comes to minister. Anoint him to win lost people. We pray. We love you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, right now. Right now, just as we close our eyes across the auditorium, maybe you're here. Just bow your heads and close your eyes just between you and God. I don't know where you're at or where you've been. Maybe you've been away from God, but you need to come back. This is an opportunity. I don't know why you've been away, but I'm not here to judge you. But I know there's a door opening and it's an invitation to come back to the Lord. Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Maybe you've never surrendered your life 
to Christ. Maybe you've never taken that step to say, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. You might think, well, Pastor Tim, I go to a church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you go to church, you're going to go to heaven. You think, well, I'm a good person. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if I'm a good person, will I go to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If that's you here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ or you're away from him and you need to come back, I want you to lift your hand. Just pop your hand up before God. Thanks, buddy, up the back. Who else is there? Maybe you're away from God and you just need to come back today. Maybe the life you're living is, you just know intuitively. I think we know when we're not right with God and for whatever reason, we just need to get right with God. If you're here today and you're you're just not right with God and you want to get right with God. Just pop your hand up real quick. If, thanks, buddy. Who else is there today? You just need to get right with God. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you for our friend up the back there. Lord, we just pray the touch of God upon him right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to get somebody to pray for you in just a moment, sir, at the end of the service. Is that okay? Fantastic. Awesome. Wonderful. Let's give the Lord a hand right now. Let's just thank Him. Beautiful. Come on. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's be.